Hey everybody, uh, a lot of you wanna work with VaynerMedia. Good news, we're hiring. We're hiring creators, uh, specifically right now, and we'll keep updating this promo throughout the year. Video and design capable individuals. People that have good ideas and would know what to do if we needed to sell watermelon or or bubble gum or soap or wine or sneakers. Uh, we're looking for video and image creators. Think about the stuff I put out on Instagram, that kind of stuff. Are you scrappy? Are you hungry? Uh, GaryVEE.com slash creators with an S. Uh, go fill out the form. Please join our team at VaynerX because I think some of these people are gonna go into 137, some are gonna go to Vayner Talent, mainly for Vayner Media and maybe the occasional person for Team Gary V. If you wanna join the VaynerX family, please go check out specifically right now for VaynerMedia, though we save the resumes and we move them around to garyvee.com slash creators with an S. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey podcast, Joe from Team Gary here. Today's episode is a keynote from 2013 where Gary talks about capturing consumer attention. Enjoy. So when when we talked about this, you know, the WeWork team was like, you want to come and give a keynote? And I was like, not really, right? Especially for how fast this thing sold out since I tweeted it. I, you know, assuming a lot of people have a lot of context and like, how many fucking times can you hear that I made $4,000 on baseball cards? So, <laughs> you know, I thought it'd be far more interesting to answer your exact questions as deep or as, you know, now so. I want it open up, so let's go. There's one over there. Let's go there. Mike, wait for the mic because I want to make sure we get it. And what's your name? It's I know that. And thank you so much for the sparkling wine. I will drink that whole bottle. I'm joking. Um, I want to know how many views you got the first time you did Wine Library. The first episode of Wine Library TA? Yeah. Uh, I think it was 27. Hmm. Um, and I was fucking pumped. I was like, 27 people watch this? Holy shit, this is awesome. I mean, listen, I'm telling you, there is a complete, ridiculous, awful thought process in our startup environment right now. Like, when you have 98 followers on Twitter, 98 people, 98 human beings want to hear your dumbest fucking random thoughts. <laughs> Do you know how thankful you should be? And so, I mean it, like it's funny, I haven't thought about this, thank you for asking this question. I was pumped, because first of all, one thing you can know, like, do you know why I wanna buy the New York Jets? It's a long journey, right? I love the journey, I don't like shit, I don't wanna buy stuff, I don't want a car, all my friends are like, I wanna test it, fuck test You know, I wanna, you know, like, like I don't want those things, I, I like the journey. So 27 meant tomorrow I better get 49, right? Like, I'm the kind of guy who hates going backwards. You know what I fear? Going the other way. Like, I don't like winning a lot. I don't like where I'm at right now in some weird way. I like when, like, I loved coming into the agency world because nobody knew who the hell I was. Right, they're like, oh, that's like, you know, like, I love that. I'm like, good, good, sleep. Sleep on me, fuckers, you know? Like, I like that, that's who I am. I don't like this, like, oh, you're good and like, you're great, like, I hate that. You know, like, I, I mean, let me start over, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the admiration. I love the engagement. I love that it gives me an opportunity to engage with people and see people that I like. I love it. I do love that. 
but boy, do I really love the climb. I love the climb. And so, none. Nobody give a fuck about me. Nothing, a year and a half. Forget about that. Let's talk about real shit. A year and a half, and not a lot was going on. It was slow. It would, listen, things were tougher to get viral at some level. Social wasn't in place. Facebook was kids, and school EDU only. Twitter wasn't here yet, right? Like, you know, yes, I could get like a blog mention on, you know, but I didn't, but I wasn't good enough. Like I didn't like I didn't get my factor, right? That first time when I went outside and tasted wine in the snow, and like I was like, if this doesn't get me on dig, I'm gonna kill somebody. And it did, thank God. <laughs> but you know, it was like things like that. And it was just being strategic, right? Like, you know, obviously Kevin Rose and Alex Albrecht were doing a bunch of stuff for all the techies in here on Dig Nation. It was trying to figure out how to like get into that circle of video bloggers. And so um, it took time. And by the way, it was happening while my business was starting to go stale for the first time ever because I wasn't paying attention to .com anymore in the store. I was trying to build my brand. So it wasn't happening when I was 22 and had nothing to really worry about other than maybe you're sharing apartment and with your friends and you maybe can't go out as many nights as you can. Mine was, I'm just gonna lose money. And so like, it took like a stomach to like be like, this is right. Yep. What does your intuition tell you about Vine and the future for what I'll do for branding? What was that? What did you just say? <laughs> I got it, I got it. <laughs> I'm extremely bullish on Vine. Um, in a big way. So, first of all, I think that time is our biggest asset. Um, and what Vine, the app does, is it gives you a promise that this is only six seconds of your time. It's a much bigger deal than most people are making it out to be. You've got to promise that you're not going to be spending that much time. You know, when you hit that button, you know where you're at. So, one, I love that. Two, I believe in human creativity much more than most people. Anybody in your circles are like, what can you do in six seconds? Or how do you tell a story in six seconds? They're fools. They don't, they're not paying attention. We had this conversation around what you can say in 140 characters. That ship has sailed. We know that works. So I know you can tell stories in six seconds. I'm watching them every day. I've been spending an enormous amount of time on Vine. I'm up to some shit on Vine. Um, I'm very bullish on it. I think Vine does to YouTube what Twitter did to Facebook, which takes a core feature, makes it the whole thing that it actually does, and brings a lot of value. When you start understanding how many people watch YouTube for a couple of seconds and then move on if they don't like it, you start getting into a very fascinating place. The thing I find most interesting is the Vine celebrities that have popped up that have never been famous anywhere else, not a YouTube star. You know, there's people that have three, four, five 500,000 followers on Vine right now. I have 7,000, right? So just because you killed it somewhere else doesn't mean you're gonna kill it here. And I love that. I love the capitalism of a new creative genre that you have to be as good as you can on that platform to succeed. I think from branding, you're gonna see a ton of great branded content and in six seconds, it's not gonna piss you off. And so that gets into like, that could be interesting. Brands might actually be able to get away with doing some stuff that you may actually actually wanna watch. I also think it's a dirty little secret that Vine's gonna change the pre-roll industry. I think that once everybody understands you can tell a story in six seconds, then you'll never see a 30 second and 15 second pre-roll again. We'll start seeing six seconds, 
which makes everybody happy here. And, you know, so I think it's a very important platform. I think it's grossly underestimated by a lot of thought leaders. I think a lot of 8 to 18-year-old kids know what's up. I think this is going to be the summer of buying for the normal kids. And I think that um, come the fall, people will be paying attention in a very big way. Hey, Gary. What's your name? I'm John. I've read all your books. I'm a huge fan. Thanks, bro. I recently just started a blog, and I'm actually interviewing you in August. So I'm really excited for that. And right I'm, I'm doing an interview series this year where I'm doing an interview a day, 365 different interviews, one a day for blogs. And I only tweeted it out and only wanted my fans or friends or people that paid attention to me. I didn't want mainstream stuff. So. I really appreciate that because I didn't think I was going to get that. So, super excited about that. Thanks, man. Looking forward to it. I will bring it. Be ready. <laughs> I'm going to be ready. Um, one of my questions is, like I said, I just started a blog, and I've read all your books, and I'm all about giving back, but yep. I also work full-time. Yeah. I was wondering if you had any advice, like how to scale to give my best to my job, because that's where I'm making my money right now. And eventually, yes, I wanted to do my blog full-time and teach people how to network. But how can I give the best to both? By putting in the time. And it's the only asset you got, right? Right. Like, that's your asset. Like, you know, and you know this if you read the books. I'm obsessed with this notion of 7 p.m. to 2 in the morning. Like, you know, you know, listen, I complain every day, like, fuck, man, I need to lose some weight. And like this, that, and the other day, I yell at, like, my new assistant, Mike. I'm like, you got to skip. But the truth is, I'm not putting in the work. I have time. Like, when I tell everybody that they can sleep one hour less, if they want to build a business, I can sleep one hour less to hit the gym, right? So, you know, it's what you put in, man. Like, you, need, you know, what I like about this, though, is work takes up a lot of time and energy. But when you're actually doing something you love, it's a little bit easier to put in that 10 p.m., 11 p.m. I mean, listen, a bunch of us, I see a couple of guys here at VaynerMedia were in the office the other day, 2 o'clock in the morning, 1.30 in the morning. It's the latest I've been there. Why? Because from 9 to 1.30 in the morning, we were working on my brand for the first time in a long time because the book is coming. And guess what? I love my brand. You know, I love me. And it was, it was easy. I wasn't tired. I didn't want to go to sleep. And so, um, you know, the thing that I would tell you to do that gives you the best prayer for this to work is make sure you're really in tune and self-aware that this blog is around the thing that you like the most. You know, don't make it about interviewing internet peeps, like, unless that's the thing you want, unless you grew up, one day I want to be Charlie Rose, unless that's right. But, you know, if one day you wanted to, like, ride dinosaurs, make it about fucking dinosaurs. Cool. And then just a quick thing, like, the first question you were saying, that only, like, 27 people watched your uh, first one library video. Uh, how long, how did you stay positive? When you first started, like for me, like I had like a hundred followers. Yeah. And yes, I'm grateful, but like I read a lot of other things where I'm like, oh, you should be going a lot faster and stuff like that. But like I'm kind of about like the quality of them. But I was just wondering if you had anything to say. About I'm patient. You know, like stuff doesn't happen as like. You know, the problem is Kevin Sisley fucking annihilates it. Sells Instagram in two years for Billy. And everybody's like, fuck, that's what we need to do. Like, what the fuck is the matter with people? Like, right? For every one Instagram, there is nine billion fucked. <laughs> Got it? But yeah, we just all want to be that. I think that's going to happen. We're never living in a better time where you have an opportunity to build a business because the business opportunities now are often predicated more than ever on talent 
and time and effort you put into it because the internet, this amazing invention that came along and all these amazing entrepreneurs that are building things on top of it are creating efficiencies that don't cost us money and they give us the time and effort and our skill to storytelling create. You know, but we just need to be patient, you know, like, but nothing. You asked me, I'm grateful. I mean, think about how you asked me that question. I'm grateful for those hundred, but fuck but. Take that out of your equation and just do your shit. Great, thanks so much. I appreciate you guys. You got it. What's up, Jeff Ramos? Oh yes, Jeff. Yeah. What's up, man? What's up, man? It's good to see you. You too. Um, so I have a question. This is one thing I could never figure out about like product development. Is um, I like to teach people how to learn things. And the thing that I'm trying to teach people right now is something that everyone's so fucking pumped to learn, but like no one actually fucking goes to actually learn or do it. And, it's DJ, right? Everyone wants to become a DJ, and I actually saw the tweet you said about DJ probably not what people should be doing, but yep. not being curated by creators. Yep. But I mean, it's I didn't awesome. say that. Uh, but, okay. I said there was a value of uh, money against that, right? That if you're the core creator of it, there's a different value prop that, you know, DJs are killing it in, let's call it music, get paid a lot. But the royalties of the creator of those songs are an interesting money trail to follow. It's happening in the internet as well, right? So I believe in it, DJ, I mean. Yeah. EDM, I mean, DJ is at its height, right? So plenty of cash. Um, so I didn't say that's not Sorry. the right thing to do. It's a different value prop is all. Go ahead. Cool. So like in terms of like, like even when you're like trying to pitch an idea to be a, a company, they want to do something, how do you get people to actually invest in the idea and sell them on something they already want to do, but they're just not taking that first step, especially with like learning products. I've seen other friends, companies yep. have so much trouble with that. Yep. How do you get people to bite? I mean, you know, to answer your question directly, because I'm the greatest salesman of all time, right? And I'm joking, but what I mean is I'm a good salesman. Like I, but here's why. I always start with the finish line for the other person. And let me say that again, because it's really important. The reason I'm a good salesman is because I always think about the finish line for the other person, not what's in it for me. That's the best way to be a good salesperson. But nobody wants to do that. That's why it's hard to be a good salesperson. Um, so I would tell you that if you're not getting traction for what you're doing, you need to ask a hell of a lot more questions. I would go backwards to everybody that you've ever tried to sell it to and ask them why they didn't buy it and create a safe environment where they're not going to hurt your feelings because you need to figure out why. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Hey, Pamela. I was just wondering if you've heard of Data Miner and what you think of it. I have heard of Data Miner. Some news out today got updated. Yeah, so I'm an investor of Data Miner. So I've heard of it. That was so fun to sit on. Um, so I know the, I, I mean, I had to sign papers last week knowing this news was coming. So is the question, what do I think of them or? Yeah. I mean, you know, money where your mouth is, right? I believe in those guys quite a bit. They're extremely smart. I like investing in things. I'm not, a, you know, I respect data in a way that you can never imagine. Um, but I, I prefer EQ over IQ. So it's fun for me to invest in data-driven companies because it, I like staying close to those things. It was That was a very obvious one for me. Um, I thought they were very smart. I'm very deep into Twitter, as many people here know. They were one of the first people that I, I think really thought about Twitter the way I did 
but from the yang. I thought about it from the heart. They thought about it from the brain, EQ, IQ. Um, so they felt like my brothers just, you know, looking at it from a different lens. I'm very bullish on that company. I'd be dumbfounded if that is not a billion dollar exit company. That's how ahead they are, and that's how important what they do is. And I'm pumped you asked me that, because now we have the video of me saying that. So let me do go for 1.3 billion. I'll chop this little piece and put out a micro content as he told you bitches. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Man, do I love I told you so. <laughs> By the way, go read all the comments and crush it. Amazon reviews back in 2008 about my thoughts on Tumblr and how I was completely out of my mind and didn't know what I'm talking about. If you don't think I went back the other night and emailed all those people, <laughs> I just want you to know who you're dealing with. <laughs> went back and emailed them and said, yo, now what? <laughs> so I love the I told you something. I live for I told you something. I think it's why I put so much out there. Hey Gary, um, hey man, what's your name? Michael. Michael. Apologies if you already talked about this, I can't relate. You no worries. You mentioned something recently about doubling down on content. Yes. And apparently having, I guess, someone following yes. you. Yes. Full time. I was going to see you coming. Yes. If you could elaborate on that or. That I know, article. I know someone picked that up, kind of ran with it, and I guess you kind of came back to this. Not yeah, it's kind of a good example of like, you know, I'm a master communicator and all this stuff, but. I think I dropped the ball in that article. You know, I don't. I think Dory's a really good reporter. This whole notion that I'm going to have, you know, somebody following me 24/7, like reality show, and we're like beta beat, and other people took it. It's just, it's not the truth, right? Steve's back there. He's here, right? Very handsome man. You should meet him. But you know, you know, Steve sent me, you know, something last night. He's like, "What do you think about this?" This is a conversation. I'm like, "No," you know, like he, we, you know, we talk about stuff, but it's more about I'm very unorganized. I have so many ideas that fly in and out of my head, and I'm not good at taking it. Even taking my phone out and writing it down is not something I'm capable of. It's probably why I failed all my classes, right? I know a lot of people that are running successful companies and are successful people that are artists and taste makers and create amazing content. Better than me, right? They're also very similar. So I think as content becomes more and more important, I do see this world where you know, somebody calls you at the end of the day, or, you know why Steve's here? Somebody's gonna ask a question. There's been some good ones here, some different ones than I'm talking about, and he's taking note, I'm taking note, and it's just a, a backup service to, you know, kind of infrastructure, a human infrastructure, be like, hey, that was such a great question by him, should we do something? I need that push a little bit. It's I, I, When I do work out, only with a trainer. I'm just not self-motivated in a lot of places. I believe in content so much. I believe in it so much. I feel like I'm letting a lot of good stuff get away and out of my brain. And by having that discipline with another person, it's helping me remember it, create more. He also has a huge wine background, I'm missing wine. So yeah, I mean, I do think that people are gonna be doubling and tripling down on content. And I do think it's gonna be a trend. And I think, I think creating content is the cost of relevance in our society right now. I really do. I really think content is amazingly, amazingly important. I think that's baseline. I think if you're not creating content, you're in trouble. And then I think what happens next, context or how talented you are, I have no concern about the quality quantity debate because I know my filter. I'm not gonna put out crap, right? And more importantly, the market decides what's crap and not. Plenty of people in this room think the Kardashians are crap, 
but enough consumers say they're not, and good for them. You know what I mean? Plenty of people drink Yellowtail. I think it's shit, good for Yellowtail, right? So, I mean, I think that, I think that, I love how everybody all of a sudden thinks they're holier than thou to decide what is quality in our society. You know what quality is? What people fucking buy, period. Consumer always is right. Consumer's always, always right, period. Thank you. Hey, Gary. Sam Schaffer. Hey. Hey, man. How are you? Good. Good, good to see you. See you. Uh, Hi, Ben. Good. Uh, Super well. <laughs> uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? <clears throat> There's two that stick out. Only two. And I have, I'm really bad at being mentored. I think I have a lot of flaws, that's one of them. I like to like, I'm in myself, I'm in my own cocoon, you know, I'm undereducated. I think, it, but I think all that stuff actually helps me because a lot of my stuff comes from like a naivete that becomes very authentic and maybe a different way to look at it. So it's become a weird advantage um, in a world where information has become a commodity. Um, there's two. The best one is the one my dad gave me when I first started. When I came to my dad when I was 14, I was a full of crap salesman. I would have told you anything about any baseball card or wine just to make sure you bought it. And my dad really taught me where it is bond. He told me you make a commitment, you stick to it. It really stuck to me and it came at the right time. I was probably only one or two years away from never being able to fix it. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Me being dragged into my dad's liquor store, that one thing saved me. It's why a lot of people, I'm sure people in here, when they first consumed me, might have thought I was like an infomercial huckster salesman. I'm, I'm, I'm over the top, right? And like very easy to dismiss because of my energy and insanity, right? And I think that comes with being a bullshit salesman. And I had that in me, and I think my dad really right with that course, and that's huge. The other one came from an old salesman. My dad had a liquor salesman, we had. So I was buying from him at one point. He was like 83 years old, right? Old dude, great guy. And one day we're just sitting there, I'm buying, and I was talking about hiring or something of that nature. And he looked at me and said, Gary, let me give you a piece of advice. And I'm like, you know, I hate advice. So I was like, yeah, go ahead, right? I was 16. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said 17. And he said, uh, I just want you to know one thing. He had this great voice. I go, what's that? He said, you don't know what you have until you sleep with it. And it was interesting, right? I was like, oh, old dirty man. <laughs> but as my life has gone on, with the way that I hire, with the way that I invest, with the way that I make friendships, you don't know what you have until you sleep with it. You know, I reverse, I'm a coach that makes adjustments at halftime, doesn't overstress the game plan the week before. And that's what that saying is about, which is you can plan everything you want. You can have everything lined up in a row, but then stuff happens. Then there's something you didn't see in that person that existed. And it's what you do next that matters much more than what you did to get to that moment. I'm proud that I'm really good at adversity, halftime adjustments. I feel like I'm, if I was a coach, I'd be a coach known for being down 21 nothing and winning 27-21. Because I'd probably prep a little less on the upfront and catch our team off guard, but I know exactly what to do once I tasted it. Thanks. Yeah. We have time for one more question. Is that it? But then Jesse's gonna talk to you again, so it's okay. Why? <laughs> more questions, more questions. Lots more questions, hold on. Like 10 more. <laughs> Thank you.
Sorry, I'm just checking. I think the baby's is the baby here? <laughs> Holy shit, my sister had a baby. <laughs> Girl. Amazing. So amazing. All right. <laughs> it's going to be tough to recalibrate. Hey, how's it going? How are you? Doing well. I had a quick question for you in regard to the Q&A a day that you've been doing. Yes. Just wanted to hear about how that's going and what you've learned from it so far. Great. So two things. One, Manisha, you shouldn't have taken the mic away from all these lovely people because you're in the office with me every fucking day and you could ask me that tomorrow. That's number one. Um, number two, um, how's it going? It's going extremely well. I have gotten to a place in my career where I can get with, right? If I want to go on CNN or CNBC or do a Fast Company article, I'm in a crazy place. So thankful. I can get nothing but press. They love me. I'm a quotable motherfucker, right? All that stuff, right? So they're in. I can get it with distribution, high, you know, awareness. What I really, what I really wanted to focus on with this is depth. I really am thankful for my community. I really am. I don't say 100, but. You know, I, I'm thankful. And so I wanted 365 of them who, and it was interesting for me when Joe brought that up. I knew that 100 people would start a blog just to interview me. Literally start their blog to get me to be on their interview because they wanted to spend the time. And plenty have. I'm getting little to no awareness from all this time. 15 minutes every day when I have a billion things going on for a blog that's going to be read or watched by 6, 9, 11 people. But that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I wanted to thank people. I wanted them to leverage my name to build their blog. I wanted to spend 15 minutes with them because they've been watching and consuming and retweeting and sharing and reblogging my stuff for three, four years. And I knew this was a way that I could thank them. That meant something. That, and that's why I did it. And so, you know why it's going great? Because it was great from the second I decided to do it. That ship sailed. I was good because it wasn't for me. Question. What's your little, name? Eddie. Eddie, pleasure. This might be a little broad, but where do you think creative innovation is headed to? I think, where's creative? I mean, it is a little broad, um, but let me take it where I can take it, right? I think that. And let, me, let me ask you a question. Define cool. <laughs> Something that. I can relate to that idea that I'm really passionate about. Yeah, and so, like, if we asked everybody, and I'm sure everybody's doing it through their mind, right? It's a tough thing to explain. But I actually think creative has to be cool. And I think where cool comes in, for me, is relevance. Relevance is a very core piece of that. Relevance really matters. So here's what I think. Relevance plus value equals where I think that world's, that's all I think about. How do I bring value? I could have came up here, did my thing for 45 minutes, dropped the mic, gave you the same thing that I normally do, and a lot of you would have been pumped because you would have said, oh, I finally got to see it in person. And it would have felt different. And I've been shocked. 
I'm so thankful that people have seen my keynote nine times and still love it. You know, it's like that comedian you love. Listen, I'll go see Chris Rock 38 times in a row. I get it. But you know what brings more value? What we're doing right now. Like, you know, I love Jess, but I didn't want him to, like, I want you to get this. This is value. I think access is going to be a very valuable thing going forward above content. But I think relevance really matters. Swag, you know, context, knowing what's happening. Like, you know, that thing is so valuable, right? And I think brands and businesses and entrepreneurs and everybody, not that they have to be cool, but they have to be cool, the definition of cool, for the demo they're trying to sell. You just have to know what's up. Wine Library TV, back to the people that are here for that, it really worked because I was reviewing wine, but I was throwing in pop culture references that were happening in the world at that moment that made it for the younger demo seem a little cooler. Here's a wine guy that talks about X. Like I was talking about art, you know, bass from Gossip Girl at its height. That mattered to a lot of people, especially me. And so, you know, so I think that's where it's going. I think that the cost of being a successful creative has been pushed very heavy into relevance and value and less on just pushing something down someone's throat. Thank you. Yeah. I'm actually really happy to hear you say that you believe in young people. Yes. Pretty amped about that. Um, but as a fellow, I don't believe in higher education. Uh, neither do I. That's why I'm here to change it. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as a fellow climber, what could we be doing better to improve those uh, college students that are graduating and coming into your doors to work there? <sighs> <laughs> it's such a, t this is such a topic. I mean, I, I, uh, I get to go around the country and speak at colleges that I never could have ever even thought, like that if I would have applied, they would have punched me in the mouth, right? <laughs> um, and, and, I, and I go there, or, and I actually listen to the curriculum. And now I'm talking about business schools, which is obviously clearly different than a lot of other professions. I just can give you an answer to my context. And I sit there and I sit through uh, the curriculum to create context. And I like literally sit there and say, my God, these poor people are paying $200,000 in debt to get this information that has absolutely, positively no value, right? Because, and it's not their fault, by the way. It's not their fault. There's a ton of entrepreneurs and full-time business people that are trying to keep up with the world. Guys, the world got faster. Like, that's not an aberration. The world is much faster. Things are evolving so much quicker because of the infrastructure of this thing called the internet. And so, where I think the biggest thing you could do to help them is to talk to them, like, whatever it takes to storytell to them about what actually matters is really, really important. You know, I made a video recently a lot of people took in a weird way about me saying a lot of number two, threes, and fours are starting businesses. Every single Ivy League student right now thinks that they're gonna put on a hoodie and sell a billion dollar company. And most of them, and this is me stereotyping, many of them have never been punched in the mouth. <laughs> and when you're an entrepreneur, you get punched in the mouth every day. And so I've watched a lot of startups from kids from Brown and Yale and Stanford fold quickly over before they started because adversity and all these other things. So, you know, internships are fine and you tell them to go network and all that. You know, I don't know. I, I think the problem is by the time you get them, shit has sailed. You know, I think we need to go back to a world. Like, here's what I'm scared about. Misha's four and Lizzie knows I'll let her do anything she wants and how we raise our daughter except one thing. Misha will never be in a league 
where people don't win and lose. Misha will never be in a league where somebody that comes in sixth place gets a trophy, period, right? And so I think there's a lot of things going on right now that are intriguing, and I don't wanna be like the old school guy because I'm plenty new school. Misha can go to a school where where nine-year-olds can smoke weed, I'm in. But winning and losing, that stuff matters. That stuff matters for one simple reason, because it matters, because that's what really happens later. And so not preparing peeps mentally for what's gonna happen, I struggle with, and you know, higher ed, I mean, I don't know, like, you know, my biggest problem is you can declare bankruptcy by doing everything wrong and getting a clean slate except your student loan, right? Like, the game is whack, period, end of story, and most of all, has no equal equation to success of being an entrepreneur than if you would have just dropped out of school at 14. And so we need to have healthy debates There's a lot going on with this, but anything you could do to make them understand what's real versus what's not, I'll give you another one that I actually think really does work. Getting them to go do an internship or a mentorship with the person, and starting with number one, and then if it's number eight, fine, but with the person they most want to be, and I mean, I don't understand how people don't realize the value it is to work. I think one day I'm gonna get paid to have an intern by them. I promise you right now, fuck Harvard. 200,000? Give me 50,000, I'll make you a fuckload more money. (laughs) So I think we're living in a really interesting world where people are confused about how the business world works. And I think, at least from that context, it's going to be very interesting. Hi, Gary. Right. Um, I have a question. So, as a startup entrepreneur, uh, and if you want to build partnerships with larger brands, how do you hustle your way up to big guys and play in the big leagues and prove to them that even though you're a small fish, they should pay attention to you and do business with you? And what are some of the I would say I would say the number one tip. There's a couple ways to do it. Number one, one of the great things to do is to offer what you do for free to the biggest people because if they take you up on it. Now you've got the logo and the learnings to do it, number one, if you can do that. Number two, relentless pressure. You know, I'm telling you right now, if you want to get to me, and I'm glad my assistant's not here, if you want to get to me, you can. Here's what it takes. Email me 47,000 times until I buckle. (laughs) I mean it, and sometimes I buckle on the first email, and people tweet, Gary is the best first email, and then somebody sees it like, what the fuck, I emailed them 38 times already, right? Because, you know, it's serendipity. It's serendipity, I'm on the flight, I'm in a mood, I'm like, I, I have a flavor, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it, you, right? And so, relentless pressure on what you want with tact, right? You don't want to come across stalkerish, you don't want to come across, you know, too tough, but like, if you've got value proposition, then you need to tell that story, but give me, I'm stunned by the entitlement of this industry. Spec work. Go talk to designers about spec work, how evil it is. How? How is it evil that you get a chance to prove your work to somebody and then if it works, you like, we have gotten very romantic. We've gotten very soft. You know, and so I would say spec work. VaynerMedia, I had just built a $70 million business. I was getting paid to speak at that point in my career. I was signed a million dollar book deal. I could have done any television show I wanted. I started a client service business and didn't work for people for nothing. 
That's how VaynerMedia was built. And then when we killed it for the NHL and camels and other things, people were like, oh, and then I charged more. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, man. You good on time? I don't know. You have a little niece now. I know, but I'm waiting for my car. We're good. Cool. More questions. <laughs> hey, guy, how's it going? I'm doing really well. What's uh, up? Thomas. Thomas, pleasure. Do you like, go by Thomas? Like, you, like, drill that home? Yes. Like, nobody can call you Tom? You can. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I'm curious in real life. Uh, professionally, Thomas, but in a setting like this, Tom, Tom, man, I don't really care. Like, with your friends, it's like Big Daddy T? Yes. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Right. Um, if you find yourself, unfortunately, in a market that's really, really oversaturated, what are like some key points that will really make your personal brand stick out to the people who are booking you or hiring you? Like, I'm in entertainment, so that's a big deal for me. So here's the hard truth, Big Daddy T. <laughs> Number one, this is a crazy thing to say because it's so the truth and it's such a tough thing to deliver. Number one, talent. You know, like everybody's like, oh, it's harder to break through on YouTube and Twitter now. You did it in 06. I'm like, yeah, it's harder. But people do every day. They're just talented and you're not, right? So, you know, so I would tell you talent is a shockingly intriguing thing. But a lot of people have talent that don't necessarily win. It's about exposure. It's about how, like, it's about at-bats. How do you create as many at-bats for you and your story to as many people that make the decision as possible? And so when I started, how do you get paid $50,000 to speak at a conference? Easy. I did 23 conferences for free, right? I made sure those videos were on YouTube, right? I made sure I spoke on people that blogged about speaking. I emailed speakerdudes.com and I was like, yo, you want an interview? He's like, all right. You know, <laughs> you know, and I gave an interview and four people read that article, right? So it's at bats. It's putting yourself in the best position to succeed to tell your story. Right, and so you know that can mean a ton of things. So what do you do? What do you do? You're a comedian. What uh, do you do? I tour college. I was doing a comedy magic show. Right. So like you know, you really need to think about. There's two ways to play the funnel. Do you go after the people that book, or do you get go after the actual consumer and make them push you up? So like, one more time, college tours, comedian show. Yes. Are you on Vine? Yeah, I'm on Vine. How many Vines have you made? Because I will look it up and don't lie to me. I will call you out. Four. Right, fuck you. <laughs> got it? There's, got it? There are comedians, right now, comedians on Vine are massively over-indexing. Massively. They're killing it. And there's 40 of them who went from zero, no, zero in the world, to hundreds of thousands of people following them, and they're getting asked to book every second. Got it? So you, by being here, have enough knowledge about the world that we live in. You need to go all in on it. Can I offer VaynerMedia complimentary magic and coffee show? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but most likely. And you know what, that's what it takes, right? Like, I'm already a little more interested. You know, like, that's what it takes, but more than anything, often I'm not lucky enough to be able to give very practical, granular advice because I'd like to get more context on what you're actually doing than doing, you know, them being wrong. If you do not start making two videos a day on Vine, if you do not leave here tonight and spend, if I, me, if I have spent 300 hours in the last couple of weeks on Vine trying to learn it, then you should have spent 600. 
Okay. Okay. Got it. I'm pumped. I really think you could kill mine. I hope you're really talented because if you are and you figure out how to storytell in six seconds, that is one fertile ground for dudes like you. It is fertile. Shit is fertile. <laughs> I'm fertile. <laughs> Good job. Hey, Gary. My name is Shy. Shy, pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually from close to where you live. I'm from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Yep. Not too far away. I actually know the scene of the whole wine library thing. Have you been to Bayway Liquors? <laughs> Many times. Yeah. Many times. Well, those guys well. The shit. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's, 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 they know what they're doing. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, uh, actually, my coworker and I, Johnson, Johnson Joseph, and I had to have the same question. He's out in the back of there. He's in there. Uh, yeah. We, we both uh, were curious about, I mean, uh, from my perspective, I'm coming from a small town and, you know, running like a, a, your dad's company, coming into your dad's company. What was the creativity that you brought to the table as such a young person coming in? Like, you know, it's, it's pretty ballsy to come in and just turn around a company or to put your efforts in and make it from a $3 million company to a $30 million company. You know, you've got to remember, like, you know, I think people gloss over the stories, even though they know them. Like, when you're making three to $4,000 a weekend, you know, at a mall in New Jersey selling baseball cards, you know business. Like, I walked in there like, what? Like, I'm about to, like, I walked in there with straight bravado. Like, I know how to sell. It was just very easy for me. I just asked clubs. I was there since I was 14, every weekend and every summer vacation. So I didn't just waltz in at 22 after partying for four years in school and be like, all right, what do we do here? Like, who is in? I, I worked the floor of my dad's liquor store for 12 and 14 hours a day for thousands of days before I ever ran the operations and spoke to actual customers that actually bought things and asked them so many questions. Could you imagine me at 16? You imagine walking to a liquor store and seeing a 16-year-old me? Don't even look at me because I'm asking you 87 questions to try to sell you stuff, right? So I built up so much knowledge that, you know, I walked in there with context. Too many people in this room, and when I mean this room, I mean the world, jump into businesses that they know nothing about. A lot of people that start a startup like, yo, let's start a music startup because I listen to music. Are you an asshole? <laughs> You're going into the music business, not listening to fucking ASAP Rocky, you dick. You know, so so I think that we need to we need to start being smart about those decisions. I think too many people are jumping in too fast, too many people are starting companies without knowing the space, the hurdles, and they get caught and they get in trouble. Now they get great learnings, and very honestly, if you're between 21 and 27, 28, I don't know what the right number is, but be risky as hell, make a ton of mistakes. It is the time. It's perfect. Sleep in a little cot, four dudes, do it. Like all in, like go really raw because the learnings are tremendous. On the flip side, you could also go work for some place that you actually are passionate about that industry for a year or two and learn a lot and be in a much better position to succeed. So the naivete in the market is enormous. Many people think my story is wild and how I came in and blew it up so fast. I was ready. I was a loaded gun. I knew everything about everything. Like, I went up to Mount Ida College in Boston. I was a shit student. I never went to class once. You know what I was doing? I was driving around Boston, going to Cappy's, going to Marty's, going to all these things. In school, like, everyone's like, you want you go to the party tonight? No, I'm going to some random liquor store two hours away to walk around for two hours. That's who I was. I put in the work. You know, I don't know if Malcolm Gladwell's right about 10,000 hours and all that stuff. I did it. I knew everything. I walked in 22 with the knowledge of a 55-year-old. So it was easy. 
And so I don't think we're putting in enough work. People read TechCrunch and think they know something. <laughs> Hey, Gary. Hey, uh, my name's Mike Koala. Mike, first of all, I'm so sorry for the curse there. <laughs> uh, she's quite used to it. <laughs> this is uh, Mandy Koala. Hey, Mandy. How are Amanda you? Is, uh, oh, Amanda. Amanda is uh, Mandy. Uh, is nine years old. I bring her to these events because, you know, I think our schooling system has a lot to change. I think you're right. And as a parent and an entrepreneur, I have a couple of different businesses and I constantly am working with her. What advice would you have, obviously, as a successful entrepreneur? If you could talk to Mandy right now for two minutes, what would you tell her? Mandy, don't listen to a word daddy says. <laughs> listen, man, I'll be very honest with you. I'm super inspired by you. I almost feel completely inappropriate for me to tell Mandy anything. I think what you're doing is incredible. I have a four-year-old daughter named Misha that, you know, I aspire to have on my lap and things like this and have these kind of conversations and raise her in not an unorthodox way, but in a way that I think will become the future. You know, I've always lived in the future, right? And that's where a lot of my success comes from. I, I think that, Mandy, I think that you may not understand, to answer your question, Mandy, I think you may not understand what I'm about to say, but luckily this is on video and one day you'll watch it. <laughs> you are very, very, very lucky to have a daddy like this and I think that he really cares and is being thoughtful about how to create a better life for you and I think you should kiss him on the cheek. <laughs> Uh, Ian Barber. Mandy, by the way, please email me at gary at gamermedia.com while you're watching this. I know that it's 11 years from now, but I, I won't delete that account just so you email me, and I cannot wait to get your email. <laughs> uh, Ian Barber, I met you at your office during Pokemon. I remember. And uh, you said something that day that's was profound. That everybody said, and I think everybody had a different meaning for it. What does it mean to be native to the platform? I mean, it seems like that's a big, yeah. like, catchphrase. It's becoming like a cliche. Yeah. Here's what it means to me, and it was back to the conversation we had about being cool. I think being native to the platform is, so brands and, and businesses and business schools and higher education and all that stuff likes to create these scenarios of know your voice, right? Know your voice and then pound it. I think, which I believe in, know your story. But I know when to wear this gear and talk like I'm talking because I know my audience, right? I know that, you know, you know, that I go to different conferences and I know the things I can and can't say. I know when I'm on television, I don't curse. It's not gonna work for me. You know, it's not gonna work out well. When I go out to dinner with my parents, I'm a different version of who I am. When I go out to Vegas with my boys for the weekend, I'm a different version of who I am. And I think we all need to start respecting the context of the environment. And so what that means, being native to the platform, is if you're a business, if you're an entertainer, and you're jumping on Tumblr, you better know a couple of things. You better know how to be Pretty damn cool, because Tumblr's pretty cool. It's young, you better know that animated GIFs is how you tell the story, not GIFs, something, you know? And so, 
I think, you know, you need to know that if you go to Pinterest, you're speaking to a female demo and you need to come across with your copy and your pictures in that way. You need to know that when you're on Vine, you're making videos for eight to 18 year olds right now, they'll get older, and you need to make them laugh, not a 38 year old. So I'm gonna make Vine videos on Vine, but it's not gonna catch on. I'm doing it because in four years when everybody's on there, I'll be there, got it? So you have to know the flavor of the room, how to dress, how to talk, what's appropriate for that setting when you storytell, because it's very different on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, Instagram, Snapchat. Very different. Got it? So telling the same story in nine different ways because those platforms demand it, and more importantly, the psychology of everybody here when they're on those platforms is different depending on the platform, something we don't spend enough time talking about. Hey, uh, Gary, it's Dave. Uh, hey, Dave. I also met you at your office. Uh, I don't know if you remember the uh, trophy. Bless you. Anyway, um, they're amazing talk- trophies. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my question is I know you talk so much about, uh, uh, you know, never just always pushing and, and uh, doing as much as you can. What about uh, now that you're a dad? How do you turn it off when you get home? Easily. My, my family is everything to me, right? By the way, the only reason I always talk about pushing and like, you know, this whole work-life balance thing is I know everybody, you know, you're listening to me for two minutes and 37 seconds on YouTube. The rest of the time, you're pushing very often in the other direction. We're all worried about life, work-life balance. It's the, by the way, it's the only thing I care about. This was tough for me today. This was, this moment has been very tough for me. I'm sitting through a tough moment right now. Now. Now that this is the fourth child between my sister and I, I know that you don't have to be there right that second to still have it. But if this was our first, like I wouldn't be here. I would have canceled. Like I've learned a little bit. Like, you know, like you're always battling. You're always making decisions. Do I let we work down and all the people that wanted to be here tonight? Is that the right value exchange for being there an hour or two earlier? Like you're going through these every day. Like I'm struggling with it every day, but I'm also not struggling with it, which is meaning we're all doing the best we can. Right? And nobody can tell you that, like, for everybody's like, oh, I spend more time with my family. I'm like, yeah, but that guy spends more time than you. So who won? Did he win? Like, like we're all different. We all, listen, my wife, Lizzie, is amazingly independent. She's just an amazingly independent woman who, like, is very similar to me and is, like, in her stuff and, like, loves her stuff. Like, she doesn't need me there every second. She probably doesn't want me there every second. You know? And so, right. And so, like, but it's a balance. But I will tell you this. There is one answer. There's one real answer. Communication, heavy, over the top, all in communication. I check in with her, we talk about stuff, I check in with the rest of my family members and friends, you just have to talk a lot. And like, cause you're feeling things, what are they feeling? I, you know, for a spouse, you know, heavy communication. For your children, when they're younger, it's hard, you can't have that talk necessarily, but I'm super aware of the lack of time I spent with my dad growing up. I didn't know him until I was 14. I know what it felt like to be the only kid in my league to not have his dad come to his little league games. I know what it feels like. So, um, and it was fine, by the way. You know, like that's just who I was. I was cool with that. I was like, dad's trying to make it, like even at that age, right? And mom was enough and like it was fine. I was scared of my dad anyway. And so, you know, I, I just think it's communication with man. It's a very touchy subject. I talk a lot about hustle and all in. I always get worried that people, you know, luckily I think people have a sense of where I sit on family, but like, you know, I mean, 
And it evolves. I'm taking every day except for six off in August this year to go up to a house in Connecticut and spend time with my family. That's more days off than I took for 11 years in a row combined. Right? So you evolve and different things happen. What I don't want to tell you, and Nate's laughing, is I'm probably going to be emailing every one of you individually in that month asking you to buy my book. You know, and so, like, I'm going to hustle as well, but I'll be hustling with them around. And so you got you to gotta evolve. There's an evolution to this. Nate, okay? can, you, can you stay in touch with AJ on the, on the car? Thanks, man. Hey, man. What's up? How you doing, I'm James? Um, you want to tell me, uh, never take the first dollar, like there's a $20 bill waiting down the road. Yeah. Um, is that what Jay-Z just did by giving up the Nets and going into the sports arena? Well, he took both dollars. <laughs> so how, how does that apply? Like, can you, you expand know, on not chasing that first dollar and going after the I mean, I think, it, I think, I think you know, it's all the context, right, James? And I don't, very honestly, I apologize. I don't completely remember the context of where that answer came through. It, it comes into a lot of different plays, my man. It comes down like this. Your time is your asset. You know, VaynerMedia, we're a premium agency. We get hundreds of emails of people that want to work with us, but can't afford us because we've gotten expensive because we've got enough demand for the supply. Now, if you don't have a lot of demand or don't think there'll be a lot of demand, take that first dollar. But I think a lot of times people jump at that first dollar when there's where you can build a little bit more, just a little more. There's plenty of people that have sold their all. You know how we celebrate companies that have exited? You know, we read TechCrunch or how do Yeah, they've sold. Sometimes I boo. I'm like, one more year, two more years. YouTube wishes they waited. Understand? And a lot of people do. There's a lot of people. Now, plenty of people wish they took. So you have to be self-aware. But I, you know, but I think if it's predicated on your time, you need to be very smart about it because every time you take something, you just said no to something else. I have one question. Sure. So, two parts. Mark Sanchez or Gino Smith, and what's the state of the New York Jets in 2013? Great. So, I think from the Mark Sanchez, Gino Smith thing, I think that thing plays itself out, right? Like, whoever, whoever wins this preseason, I'm fine with, you know, capitalism. I think every quarterback competition should be capitalism. It's the most important spot, it's a CEO job. Um, the state of this year's team, we'll see. I think that, unfortunately, their schedule is a little harder than I'd like it to be. Um, I think that they'll probably be a little bit better than people think because their defense is going to be really strong. But um, I'm concerned. <laughs> Anybody else? There's got to be other questions. Seriously, yeah. right I mean, don't be scared. Hi, Alexis. I'm taking pictures. Thank you so much. Left side. You <laughs> <laughs> um, were talking about all these platforms, but you're on by uh, probably not Snapchat. Um, is there anything where you actually feel that you're too old for? Um, for example, I mean, I, I can be on Vine just if it takes me. You can't be on Vine consuming the videos yeah. because they seem too young for you. It's just yeah. It's like having ADD for me. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Um, no, because I don't actually think of myself as a customer of any of these platforms. I don't use any of these platforms in a real way. This is my career and my job, and just like it took me two and a half years to unwind from being in the wine business every day to now, it's, guys, it's so weird. 
I actually go out now and like drink wine like a normal person. Like I enjoy it. Like I used to, five minutes, I used to drink wine like for my whole life and think. It was like a chore. I'd drink it and be like, ooh, how they do that? Like, what, how much does this cost? Should I buy this and sell it? You know, should I review this on the show? It was like a job. And that's how social is for me. I don't use Snapchat like most people use Snapchat. I use it trying to figure out what the business uses are. So I don't consume Vine for my entertainment. I consume it as somebody who's trying to figure out the architecture and opportunities around it. So I never feel old. As a matter of fact, I spend most of my time trying to spend time on the young stuff because I never want to be the guy that I make fun of. I want to be very in tune. I'm, I've got an office full of 200 employees that are 27 and under, and I'm the youngest guy in the building for my usage. I just am. I'm also the busiest. Just want you guys to know that I'm younger and busier and hustling more than you guys. So step up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Not really. Hey Gary. Hey man. Uh, I'll just put my name inside Thank you so much, brother. Uh, By the way, I'm really into what you're doing with your hair. And please, please keep it going. Okay. Like, I need to see you like another 24 months from now. You got it. Thank you. Um, so you put out a piece of content, I think it was a video where you mentioned that people should treat their businesses like their second child rather than their first child. Yes. And so obviously when you have your first child, you don't have that mentality. So uh, from a business perspective, where can you draw the line to say, okay, now you can start treating your business as a second child because you have those things that you've learned and you can now apply there. So where do you draw the line? I tried to use that analogy to make, I could have said this. I like analogies, you know me, right? So that's why I made that video. It was fun. I was thinking about this. It, I was coming out of a meeting where I was proud of myself, which happens often with the way I feel about myself. But something happened where it really worked out for Vayner and I was just so happy again because everything on paper said that we should have worried about X, Y, and Z and I didn't. And it really worked. It just reminded me again, you know, God damn it, people are spending too much time worrying about the things that don't matter. 1% of the things that are happening in your business matter. One. One. And like, like now I don't know how to like teach. I'm not good at teaching what that 1% is. If I work, if I join your business, I tell you in two minutes, right? Six weeks in, I'd have it. It's why Vayner works, because I think I'm good for the businesses we work in. Forget the social. I think I know how to run their businesses better. Um, so that's what that meant. What I've learned after having a second child is we're not micromanaging every little thing that we did with the first child. I mean, Xander's walking, I mean, Xander's like on the street. We're like, cool. You good, X? Good. You know, like Misha couldn't like go one step. Like, I mean, you know. We look, she would sleep and we'd look at her face for an hour, right? <laughs> so, um, I mean, I went into Misha's room 700 times in the first couple of years, like just making sure she was breathing, right? Like, you just get scared. It's just like intense love. With business, I was mature already with Wine Library, back to the baseball card stuff, I knew. And I'm just trying to help young entrepreneurs to just like, take a step back and realize like, okay, like I'm always telling my team like, okay, and good, they'll fire us. We're still rolling. We have plenty of new business. I care more about your feelings. Don't get too pressured. Like, so I just, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, I'm always taking stabs. I'm trying to tell a story in a certain way that might hit home. That one was actually directed towards a little bit of an older crowd because they have had two children and they know exactly what I'm talking about because the first child, you know, like was perfect. The second one's like eating dirt outside while you're inside, right? And so that's, you know, obviously when you're going through it your first time, you don't have that context of what that is, but you're gaining context right away. One year into your business, you can look back 
and all the things you worried about that weren't that serious, try to imply the past into future decisions. I think we're going to give the mic back to Jesse. We'll ask a couple more questions and we'll wrap up. Yeah. I know, I know that we were supposed to do a video. Can I come back yeah, and do yeah. it another time? Cool, because if you said no, I would have made you feel so guilty. Aaron, <laughs> Aaron, we'll come to you. What's that? Come yeah, come to me. Cool. You want to shoot some filter out there, Biden. Yes. So I know you're uh, on your way. I had one question you brought up probably a hundred times in this conversation is storytelling. Something that you are a master at, or maybe I mean, the think best. About people, the best. Think about how many people here know lemonade and baseball cards, and like so, things that people know in, like ingrained in their mind. Um, it's super important. So, so the question, and, the, and I think it could benefit the whole audience, is uh, especially me, is uh, how do you? What is your perfect story? What is the best story? You? How do you tell it? What What are the ingredients that go into it that really get your point across? And, and That's a good question. Up? I think the first one starts with the truth. You know, too many people telling stories that aren't real. So I think the truth really matters because people's bullshit radars are much better than we give them credit for. So I think that matters. I think that, you know, I don't really know how to answer this question, right? I've always been good at, it's the same reason I'm a good salesman. It's the same reason I think I'm a good angel investor. I just always think about the other person. And so, if I can give you a tactical thing, if you can, I think scratching your own itch is a very good place to go. So I curse a lot and act like I do on stage because I loved growing up watching Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy. I watched a lot of them all the time, 24 seven. When I got my car, I didn't listen to music. I listened to them on my tape cassette, I'm old, all that stuff, right? And so. You know, you can see it in my style. I'm scratching my own itch. I'm giving business keynotes the way I think they would almost, in essence, do a stand-up routine. Even my rhythm delivers the joke a lot of times and a punchline. So that's what I was inspired by. I would tell you, think about how you would want a story told to you and tell it that way. Reverse engineer what feels good to you because a lot of people look like you. I, my fan base, are versions of me. Academia is not rolling up in here saying, yeah, except brilliant academia people, you know? So, you know, you know who rules, you know who likes me? People like me because I'm storytelling to me. I want the truth. I want the raw truth. I I feel so bad to people that pitch me. Like they get, I'm sure, like, especially when it matters because they're trying to get money or get me my business, they take a lot of time and they practice and they think about it and they walk in and they're like, all right, here, I'm like, good, next. Like, I'm out in like four seconds because I got it. Like, I don't want you to waste my time. Like, yes, okay, you're a mobile company. I get it. Yes, I understand there's an opportunity. Like, get to the hook, right? And so, yeah, scratch your own itch. Tell the story the way that you would want it told to you, I think is a very good fundamental way to think about it. Cool. Okay. Thank you guys so much. All right, episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Thank you very much. Today's highlighted review is Thanks Gary V by AV014. I started YouTube and podcasting all because of Gary V. This dude is 50% motivation, 50% truth, and 100% real. Keep those reviews coming. We could highlight yours next.